You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to Big Blue View Radio. I am Chris Flum and this is, well, (laughs) it's not the Chris and Nick show. It's definitely not Valentine's Views. This is... You know, we're kind of reaching into the vault here. <laughs> we are having a, a redux of the Chris and Joe show. Yes, with, with the Giants on a bye week this week, I decided I want to talk some college football. So I dragged Joe DeLeon <laughs> back into this podcast. And here he is. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing great. It, it feels like like decades ago when we did this show together, but it's crazy to think that we stopped in March was when I, I was stopped being able to be a part of this. But when you texted me, I was like, Oh yeah, hell yeah. I, you know, any opportunity to talk about college football with, with anybody, especially with you, Chris, I'm, I'm always down for it. And uh, just glad I can be back. I'm, I'm sure that the giants fans are happy that I'm gone. Cause apparently I am, was the bad luck charm on, the, on the, on the network and then big blue view. Cause now they're suddenly good. in all the years I was covering them with, uh, with big blue view. Yeah. You know, for a while I was thinking it was me because for as long as I've been at, at BBV, the giants have had one winning season. So uh, apparently it was you. Um, <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm not complaining. And if I had to be the sacrificial lamb, it is what it is. But I'm heck, I'm just glad that I can be here talking about college football, though. And that's what you asked me to hop on for, because that's that's been my forte as of late. Hey, you know, everyone, everybody loves college ball. I mean, who doesn't love college ball, especially with the games that we've got this weekend? The the two games that I know that you want to particularly talk about and that everyone's talking about the fact that we've got a one versus three this early on in the season and then LSU and Alabama are fighting for the SEC West. I'm I've been juiced up just to watch these games and. Saturday can't come soon enough for me. Yeah, we have a one versus three, and neither one of them is Alabama. How crazy is that? That that first off, Alabama isn't in the top four. Right now, they're not in the college football playoffs. And Tennessee, Tennessee, you know, the school that has that gets char- gets uh Charles Brooks ragged every single NFL combine. They are the number one team in the land right now. Yeah, the Alabama aspect of it is is really odd because they only have one loss. And I, the way that I see it, for them to be placed at six, I think that the, the committee doesn't want to be determined to be biased if they put them up way too high for having one loss. It's almost as if they're placing them there with a, a, a an outlook that they'll end up pushing themselves into the playoff. And I, I think that's likely they're going to beat LSU. I have a high expectation of that. And I know that we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, but Tennessee, you're, you're talking about – they're the dragon to slay right now. And there's been parallels made with this Tennessee program this season and the LSU team that won the national championship a few years ago in 2019 with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And those parallels make a lot of sense to me because that program, that team started off a little slow, but each week they got better and better and more and more explosive. And that's what Tennessee's looked like so far this season. They have just progressively gotten way better. And while, their defense, I don't think, is as good as that LSU defense. 
for that 2019 team, they're really well-rounded. The thing that makes them the scariest, though, is the fact that Hendon Hooker looks as good as he does. The receivers that he has with Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman now that he's back. There's just so many weapons, so many options. And Josh Heupel is a freaking genius with the way that he is orchestrating and operating that offense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hendon Hooker has been playing out of his mind lately. I, like, I think if he wasn't 25 years old, he would probably be QB1 in the upcoming draft. Well, the, the irony of that, Chris, is a lot of people don't realize Will Levis is only like a few months younger than Hendon Hooker. And I'm hoping that during this draft cycle, when people start to do their homework, that there isn't an overcalculation on that age thing that you're talking about. Because like even for me coming into the season, I didn't know that. Like I kept saying that, like, oh, well, Hendon's kind of older. And like, do we really want to do the Kenny Pickett path and drafting a guy that doesn't really, you know, is, is going to be 24 years old, 25 years old when he suits up for an NFL team for the first time. But there's not that much of an age difference between him and Will Levis. And Hendon Hooker has been the way better player. And I'm sure that you agree with me on that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Hendon Hooker, he he has absolutely blossomed this year at Tennessee. And yeah, he kind of has it all. Like the only quarterback who statistically has been better has been CJ Stroud. And just to be in that conversation is crazy. And yeah, honestly, I I, I really feel like Hendon Hooker has in some ways overshadowed CJ Stroud. But just with the age thing, it, it's the number. You know, 25, that starts to, you know, that is, you're, you're old enough to get decent rates on car insurance <laughs> when you're 25. That's That starts to bring to mind Brandon Whedon as a, as a prospect. And I can understand <laughs> how that would give some people pause. Right. And if Brandon Whedon, who was 28 when he got drafted, can go in the first round, I, I think that it's possible for Hendon Hooker. And the thing that I love about Hooker, I, I honestly, first of all, I think he should be on the Giants radar. Uh, they do need to move on. And I've said that the entire time that you and I did the show together, that I wasn't entirely bought in on, on Daniel Jones. But uh, just for Hooker as a prospect, I love his his deep accuracy like that to me is really dangerous. The way that he pushes the ball down the field, the way that he's able to connect consistently with those two receivers I mentioned and the mobility, the athleticism he's built to play in the modern NFL. Uh, and again, hopefully that age thing doesn't the track too much but i still think he's he has built enough of a resume not to be the first or second quarterback taken because it's probably going to be young or stroud but he very likely could be that third guy and could push ahead of will levis yeah de definitely i like i have seen some people push will levis up against bryce young because you know young has had the injury he's a little bit well he's built more like a baseball player than a than a football player yeah but yeah, personally, I'm a Bryce Young guy. I think he's got that clutch gene. He's got that he's got that personality where nothing is ever too big for him. And we're kind of skipping ahead in what I had planned for us for <laughs> this week. But you know that that that's fine because we do need to talk about Alabama and their game against LSU. But all really just the intrigue of having the reigning college football champions as number three and Tennessee, who started out the season unranked as number one and they're, they're really getting Cedric Tillman back this week. Like he got his feet wet last week. They dismantled Kentucky, but this week against Georgia with Keely Ringo having Cedric Tillman back. He's a player. I think if the giants don't draft a quarterback, if they don't move up for a quarterback, whatever, I think giants fans should definitely be watching Cedric Tillman. 
Yeah, I really like Cedric Tillman, especially with the the profile physically that he brings to the table. He's a big, strong receiver. He's got really good athleticism. And he was building a little bit of hype until he got injured. Quentin Johnston ended up overpassing him for the big hype train receiver in this class. But I do really like Cedric Tillman. I think that he's shown a lot of really good stuff when he's been healthy. And he was the go-to guy. And when he went down, Jalen Hyatt ended up stepping up. And now both of these guys have been on the radars of not only the national media, but also for NFL draft uh, th- this upcoming class. I know I really like both those guys, especially Tillman, who uh, who you just pointed out. Yeah, so the Alabama-LSU game, again, a lot more prospects because Alabama always stacked, always, always stacked. That's that's one thing Alabama always do- does well. They've got NFL players at every single position. And then LSU, all the way up to number 10 from unranked, you know, They've got, you know, kind of, they've got an interesting, I think, roster. It -hmm. took them a little bit to get going, a little bit to get traction, but man, they've got some players too. Yeah. And it all starts with Keishon Butte when he has a good game. He is far and away, maybe the best receiver, just pure receiver in the country, but overall so, so dominant. He might be the first guy that gets selected in this upcoming draft. But they've got a lot of guys that I don't know if they'll necessarily translate to the next level, like talking about Jane Daniels, who's always been discussed as a quarterback prospect when he was at Arizona State. And I just like his athleticism. I think he's really taken a step forward. He's the perfect guy in Brian Kelly's offense uh, to run that offense. He, in, in his time in Notre Dame, never had a guy like that that I felt could you know, throw consistently, could – extend plays with his legs and he's he's got a really nice big frame but there's a lot of guys on the team that I think a, young, a lot of young players like Jaquel and Roy who's on their defensive line that in a couple of years could really turn into nice prospects but uh, you know to your to your point this LSU team has been surprising very inconsistent though which is why I don't have a lot of faith in them this weekend uh but that consistency issue I'm sure will be worked out in time with with Brian Kelly yeah I, I I think Brian Kelly's got a lot, be- a lot, a roster that kind of fits what he wants to do with the team better here or better at LSU than he did at Notre Dame. Yeah, <laughs> apologies to the Notre Dame fans in the on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have Ian Book there right now, but whatever. Yeah, you know, he does have younger brother of a New York Giant, BJ Ojolari, guy who mm-hmm. you know, some people are saying might be well. Maybe not the best edge in the draft class, but one of the best edges in the draft class, one of right. the best in the SEC. Because you know, Will Anderson at, at Alabama, he's he's kind of a monster when he's on. But Ojolari, again, he is a very good player as well. I, I absolutely agree with you about Keishon Boutte. He is he kind of calls to mind the Justin Jefferson Odell Beckham type player, where okay, he doesn't have the the physical measurables the height weight that you want to see from an x receiver but man he can run routes he can sell mm-hmm. routes he he plays a couple moves ahead of the db and fantastic body control fantastic hands yeah he is another guy yeah i love watching him play again when he has a good game yeah and he has that four four type speed and you talked about the route running is which what really separates him is his hands are fantastic too. Like he's got great body control and he really checks all those boxes. 
I don't think he's necessarily up there with some of the really talented players we've seen in the past couple classes. Like the, the past few receiver groups were really, really talented. And it kind of stinks for a guy like Boutte because he's going to get compared to those players. But he's still a first-round worthy guy to be discussed. And as we all know as Giants fans, they need receivers right now. And he deserves to be on the radar because he is like a, an ex-receiver. He's an alpha dog. He's a guy that can lead a group. Um, and I firmly believe if you put him in the right offense, he could he could really ascend like Justin Jefferson has done for the Minnesota Vikings, like Jamar Chase has done for the Cincinnati Bengals. He has that in him, just hasn't really gotten there yet. No, and, and this is kind of to transition a little bit to individual prospects, individual position groups, I think we can talk about. This is an interesting wide receiver class where you've got the big dogs like Quentin Jefferson and I'm sorry, Quentin Johnson and uh, Cedric Tillman, Xavier Hutchinson at Iowa State. Those mm. guys who are, you know, they've got the big, long, strong X receiver frames. But then you've also got some guys like Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Josh Downs, who... Yeah, they're a little bit smaller. Yeah, a few years ago, they'd be looked at as like, you know, slot receiver only. That Those guys would be slot receivers all the way, you know, a couple of years ago. But now the NFL is changing. College ball is changing. And you've got these guys who they've got skills. They've got they've got quickness. They, they're good route runners. And they just don't have the size that a lot of people flock to. Yeah, the, this receiver class overall, like I was just talking about, is it's not as good as like the classes that we've seen in the past, and it, it's a tough year for the Giants having to need need a receiver. Is, is what I'll say that there's not necessarily that guy that you'll draft and immediately is going to have a thousand yards this season. I just don't think that there's anyone in, in this group. But there's a lot of really nice complementary pieces. A lot of guys that you just talked about there, like Jackson Smith and Jigba. Even though we haven't seen him because he's been hurt. I see him being a, you know, a really nice possession slot receiver at the next level. Really crafty guy, and you talked about a lot of things that he's shown. Uh, there's some speedsters with Zay Flowers and Josh Downs who are smaller, more compact, can kill you over the top. We know the Giants kind of have a surplus to that to the point where they went up and got rid of Kadarius Toney. They've got Wendell Robinson to fit that role. But there's other players that you mentioned, like Jordan Addison, who – has been hurt, has a bit of a thin frame, and has kind of lived up to some of my fears where because he's so much lighter, he's going to be dealing with injuries. I had him as my number one receiver coming into this season uh, for the 2023 class, but I thought his acceleration, his release were, were, was really good, his feet were really good. I loved his cuts, his route running. Like To me, he just seemed like such a wily receiver that maybe could fit into that, that alpha dog type of description like Butte, but because of the injuries, it's going to hurt his projection. The big one, though, that you mentioned, the guy that I've been drooling over and I've been trying to keep myself even keeled on my projection for him is Quinton Johnson from TCU. It seems like every single week he's getting better and better. The guy's massive. He's like six foot four. He's going to be a, a, a four or five guy. He is able to stretch defenses out over the top and he's got the body control. He's got the hands. I think he can be a real problem at the next level. He does have some acceleration and separation issues, which is something to be discussed and to be looked at. But early second round, man, I think that he could be a real problem if, if you add him into as a nice complimentary piece for any receiving group. Yeah, I, I think if 
the Giants are looking wide receiver. They might wind up having to use one of those two third round picks they they now have or will have once the compensatory picks are doled out. But I, I think they want to look for a receiver kind of like uh, what they hoped Kenny Galladay would be when he was brought on, which you know, back when we had the podcast together, Galladay was a guy we both were excited for the Giants to sign but the injuries piled up the the production just wasn't there and right now he is just a he is just a massive money sink that Joe Shane's going to have to figure out some way to deal with but look I, I think the Giants are going to want to figure out some kind of compliment or partner for Wandale Robinson and Quentin Johnson I think is that Cedric Tillman could be that guy you know just a big strong X receiver who can mm. also serve as a blocker on the perimeter just based on the types of plays that the Giants are calling now yeah no absolutely and the big issue now is like what you just talked about with trying to replace Kenny Galladay because if he was playing the way that he was supposed to be playing you'd actually have a pretty well-rounded receiver group but that's just not the case like we're, we're watching Kenny Galladay put in half effort, not get open and not get any, any production. Like I put a lot of onus on him as much as I do on Daniel Jones, but like, that's the big replacement piece. And you're going to need somebody that fits that profile to replace him. And those guys that you just mentioned that we've been talking about, you could also throw in AT Perry from wake forest in, into the discussion for that size profile. They're going to need someone that fits that build to replace him. Once they figure out a way to get rid of him. Yeah, I keep telling people to watch Wake Forest because they're an int- they're a fun team and I, they're a really intriguing team because you also have Sam Hartman, the quarterback on that yeah. team, and like he's really polarizing. I get it, but you know he, he just seems like a guy. He's a sleeper. He's a sleeper, and all of a sudden, like he lands in the right situation and he's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're talking about Sam Hartman or or Perry? Yeah. Well, yeah, both, Sam really. Hartman. Right, both of them. And Sam Hartman, um, he's he's a really good college quarterback, and I, I feel like he's one of those guys that, to me, feels like someone who can really sit on a roster and, and be a, a really, really high-end backup. Like, he's going to a really good academic school, really smart kid, um, and it just has all those, those traits that you want in a guy that he steps in, you ask him to play. He's not necessarily physically domineering or uh, got a cannon for an arm but he's smart enough to know the playbook front to back. And if you need to keep the offense on schedule, I think Hartman fits that perfectly. And someone's probably going to draft him purely off of that, that projection alone. Yeah. Probably fourth, fifth round as a yeah. high end backup, maybe, you know, maybe developmental piece, like yeah, maybe the Colts, because they've got a lot of money sunk into Matt Ryan and yeah. D- you know, who knows what's going to happen there. He's obviously mm-hmm. at towards the end of his career. They, can't maybe can't really afford to invest a high pick right now they they kind of have to keep building their roster but if you can have a guy sit behind Matt Ryan I think you could do a lot worse than Sam Hartman so just to transition a little bit you know Mm -hmm. there are other positions the Giants need other position groups the Giants fans should be watching obviously I I feel like we we have to pay attention to the interior offensive line I like what the Giants have at left guard right now. Ben Bredesen has played well. Shane Lemieux will be back eventually. Um, I, I'm not sure if he's better than Ben Bredesen or Joshua Zudu, but he will be back. The Giants will have competition at the guard positions. But also, there's that center position. And, you know, Feliciano has stepped in. He's played well enough. 
But, you know, he gets pushed back. He gets beaten more than I'd like to see for a center. And, you know, I, I really feel like watching the interior offensive line is really useful for Giants fans right now. <laughs> Yeah, no, it definitely is. And trying to fix that guard position is going to be tough this year because the guard group is terrible. Like it's it's just not good. And the one guy who stood out is Osiris Torrance from Florida, who is the Louisville transfer, who I uh, has looked really good so far. Big, massive guy, great power profile, little slow moving. I don't know if he's going to be a perfect fit in this in this offensive line grouping, considering how big some of these other guys are. But it is a good year for centers. There's a lot of guys that can be brought up in the discussion. In the top three that that I had a fun time watching in the preseason, Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas, a very, very flexible, fluid athlete in, in that center spot. Very, very easy mover, nice power profile. Jarrett Patterson's a little stiffer from Notre Dame, but the guy's got great awareness. He's been there for so long. He's somebody that's been playing – uh, all over that Notre Dame offensive line, but he might project better as like an Alex Mack at the next level playing in that center position. But the last one that I thought has not gotten uh, enough recognition and somebody that I really liked was Steve Avila from TCU, who's just massive, massive dude. Uh, for a guy of his size and his, and his just strength, raw strength that he has, I thought that he moves really well and gets to the second level really well. And he tracks guys down pretty effectively he's somebody that like maybe in the second round or in the third round could be a nice developmental guy to consider but this center group it's going to be a good year for the Giants if they're trying to fix that center spot yeah I like Avila as well he's somebody I'm pointing out this week because you know TCU they've got a good game they've got the wide receiver we already said people should be paying attention to and Avila is a big center six foot three 330 ish. He's, he's thick. <laughs> yeah. Thick boy. <laughs> Absolute unit right there. Also, you know, the center at Georgia, Cedric Van Pran, he is, I think, pretty interesting. Former number one overall recruit at center. And, mm. you know, Georgia coaches their offensive linemen well. Yeah. But my only issue with, with Van Pran when I was watching him in the preseason, I just. I, I thought that his, his like speed and athleticism were fine. I thought that his angles trying to 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 attack blocks was a little bit inconsistent. For a guy who was as highly recruited as he was, I just don't I'm, like I'm disappointed. You know, it's it's weird when you've got guys that are that that are this highly recruited and they don't they're not as dominant as they possibly could be. And I'm I'm a lot more interested in in Stromberg and, and Patterson. Uh, but there are it's a very mixed bag with Van Pron. I, I either hear people say that, that they love him or they're like me where it's like, ah, he's okay. He's fine. Uh, and there's been no in between from, from a lot of what I've seen. Yeah. I, I think it really comes down to the, uh, the standards you're holding him to. Like right. if you're expecting him to be a first round caliber player, definitely disappointing. Just a good, decent center prospect. Yeah, I, I get I get that absolutely. It's yeah, I, I think I would want Tyler Linderbaum ahead of kind of any of these guys, but I also really loved watching Linderbaum play last year. <laughs> yeah, Linderbaum was fun and and he's one of those guys where I was sad that he didn't end up on the Giants, but at the same time, I'm happy they addressed one of the offensive line positions with a guy who's been so good this year in Evan Neal. Uh I don't I almost don't know if, if Linderbaum would have fit 
with the Giants offensive line and the way that they move because he, he would have just been he's such a good zone center and he's just so small compared to the way that this offensive line has been built in this like thick, heavy, uh, mountainous formation that it's been put together. But I did love Linderbaum. He's one of the most exciting centers that I've watched because not a lot of guys can move the way that he did. And Strawberg's got a little bit of that in him, but he's a little bit bigger and he might fit a little bit better, better for this, this giants group, uh, next season. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. This is it an interesting center group. Uh, I think a good center group really for the giants. And I, I do kind of like a Vila for them just because the way they use pulling guards in mm. this, in this offensive system, you could have that center kind of serve as the rock in the middle. And then that would free you up to pull a guard to the left or to the right. And yeah, that there's a lot of work to be done. I think with this offensive line and with this draft class in general, but man, there, there are some guys. I, I definitely think Joe Shane's going to be watching to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, that currently seems to be one of the biggest issues and there's plenty of players that they can consider. Um, and it's always one of those position groups where you can draft somebody on day two, day three and, and get a pretty good quality starter, especially with some of these names that we brought up. Yeah, you you don't need to draft a center up in the first round. Like if you can get a guy with the elite movement skills and elite athleticism and all of that, great. Yeah, I'm not against drafting a center high, but you could also get like a, a Luke Fortner who is playing, you know, reasonably well for a rookie. You can get those guys in round 3, round 4, that area. Yeah, and I don't know necessarily if there's a guy like that in this class, um, especially at, at guard specifically. Um, but again, like I, it seems like Shane already has had this emphasis on drafting as many offensive linemen as he can. Like he drafted a lot of guys in this past class, and I, I feel like he's going to keep doing it until he gets it right. And it's kind of a Bills philosophy. They've drafted a lot of offensive linemen. Um, when he was a part of that bills organization and eventually just took a lot of shuffling, a lot of different puzzle pieces until they figured it out. And they've got one of the best cohesive offensive line units in the NFL right now. And it's, it's not something that you can just plug and play with one guy and it's going to fix the whole issue. You need, you need the right players. You need the right mentalities. You need to keep trying different things until you find the right combination that works. Yeah. Not, not every team can be like the Packers where you just get some random fourth rounder and he turns right. out to be an, a day right. one all pro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yeah, so, you know what? As you're the guest and I am the host, <laughs> I'll give you your choice as to where we go next. We've got linebacker, which is obviously a long-standing problem for the Giants, or the quarterback question. I think I would much, because the quarterback question is such a, a, a massive, aggressive thing to tackle. And it, I, the way I'm going to put it is that this year is not going to be the year for the Giants to address it. Their record is going to be too good. And like, that's not be saying the Giants are that good. I think that they've gotten pretty lucky thus far and they've, they've exceeded the expectations. And because of that, if they're drafting after 15, I don't think it's the right timing to draft a quarterback. They might've missed that window to, to replace Daniel Jones. And that's something that they might need to figure out through trade or through something along those lines. It's going to be difficult to try and grab one of these top players worth tackling, which is, which is CJ Stroud or Bryce young. But this linebacker class, I think is really fun. Like there's a lot of really good, talented, explosive players. And I had a lot of fun this summer diving in and watching these linebacker uh, prospects. And I think that that's where the attention needs to be. Like they, they can't, they can't waste their time and they shouldn't waste their draft capital trying to move up to draft somebody uh, and getting, you know, caught in a bad position when they've got other positions to address still, you know, if they want this team to really hit that next stride and not stay stagnant, they need to address linebacker. They need to address guard. They need to address center and they need to address wide receiver. So uh, I I'd much rather focus on, on linebacker just, just from, you know, me being a Giants fan, as we know, and and how I think that they should tackle fixing this team. Yeah, it, it's kind of tough to see the Giants go out there with Tate Crowder and Jalen Smith in the middle of this Wink Martindale defense where everybody else is flying around. And yeah. you've got Jalen Smith, like, I, I absolutely loved him back in college. He was my number one prospect that yeah. year, right up until that knee injury. And it is almost painful to watch him sometimes right now. And then Tank Crowder is almost painful to watch as well, but for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, and there luckily are plenty of guys to potentially replace them. And I, I honestly, we might have somebody who rivals the athleticism of Jalen Smith with Trenton Simpson at Clemson. The guy is springy as hell. He accelerates so fluidly. He is used all over that Clemson defense. He's got a little safety background, if I remember correctly, um, but Trenton Simpson, man, the guy is a really good coverage player. He navigates traffic well. He tracks the football really well. I love him as a player, and I think maybe if you're the Giants, you're picking at 15. You watch what happened with Kyle Hamilton, who's kind of a similar physical profile, how far he fell to the Ravens. That could be a, a similar spot where the Giants could be picking and end up getting him if, if the season kind of fizzles out and they're picking in that location. Very realistic to get a Trenton Simpson who is, who is fantastic for Clemson. Yeah, uh, Trent Simpson, he, imagine that, a, a uh, an athletic Clemson linebacker we both like. Where have we heard this one before? But, <laughs> yeah, he, he's very different than Isaiah Simmons, but he's still, yeah. you know, he's he's still fun to watch. Yeah, like he is, he really is. And in addition to his, like, he does have some experience at DB. He, all, he is also aligned at edge on occasion for yeah. Clemson. So that, I, I you have to imagine that that is 
very interesting for a guy like Wink Martindale, who he loves to blitz guys from all over. He loves to he loves simulated pressure, zone drops from his edges, and then have linebackers come, DBs come, rotating coverages, all of those things. Simpson absolutely can do that. I think Henry To'o To'o and Noah Sewell are also very, very interesting as well. Yeah. And yeah, th- this is a very fun linebacker class. Yeah, and I, I like I'm I wasn't a big Sewell fan. I'm gonna sit here and admit it. I I I am probably the one of the most anti-Sewell players or uh evaluators out there uh in the draft community. Uh that's a separate issue for another day, but <laughs> I did like Toa Toa, but when I look at this Giants defense, and I don't know if it's a direct fit, but they are lacking that Mike backer that fits this this defense. And I, I they don't really have anyone on this roster, it feels like that actually fits that description in my eyes. And who we have in this class is Jack Campbell from Iowa, who is a total throwback to the old fashioned linebackers of the you know the nineties and the eighties and even later than that. The guy's freaking huge. He's like six foot four, he's 230 something pounds. He's freaking massive. And the way that I the thing that I love about Jack Campbell, he's just so downhill. He's so aggressive. He's just knocking guys out of his way. He really does a good job coming down and making plays at the line of scrimmage. He does sometimes get caught up in his decision-making, and sometimes he has a bad job. Uh, like He looked terrible last season against Michigan where he's caught thinking and he can't react and redirect quick enough. But I think, like heck, Jack Campbell, if you pair him with the right linebackers, he could be a really, really good Mike linebacker in that in that Giants defense. Yeah, I was actually just looking at Campbell, and I, I almost get kind of a uh, a pre-injury Blake Martinez type, yeah. type vibe from him. Like, I, I love that description. It's like an old-school Mike linebacker, which, yes, the, the Giants, they've moved the Mike, the, uh, the defensive quarterback, back to Xavier McKinney to the safety position because Wink Martindale, he will put – seven dbs on the field if he wants to so (laughs) none of your linebackers are every down players but campbell yeah he he's a guy you can definitely trust in short yard situations you can trust him i think on any down but yeah he he is definitely a throwback you know like just in his mentality and to a certain extent his build yeah, and it, it makes sense that he's playing at Iowa of all places. And he has yeah. another guy that he's playing alongside that's an outside backer in Justin Jacobs, and he's a fantastic coverage player. And he exclusively, before this season, he's been used a lot more effectively. But before that, because of all the guys that they had in that in that defensive unit, he wasn't asked to play as much, and he was really just a coverage linebacker. Like, he was going out and covering guys in the slot. That coverage ability, heck, is – that was what Tate Crowder was supposed to be. And I think Justin Jacobs is a huge upgrade. If you want to bring him in a uh, really fast, fluid player, who's going to test really well. But uh, those two Iowa linebackers I've been on and talking about the entire season and the entire preseason that are worth acknowledging and, and keeping on the radar for the giants. Yeah. And we've also talked a fair amount about TCU, honestly, a little bit more than I was expecting talking about TCU today. There's also they've got a linebacker, D. Winters, who is mm. you know, a little bit undersized. I think he's like six one, six two, thereabouts, uh, two thirty. You know, maybe back in two thousand seven or so, or so, he probably would have been called a strong safety and not a linebacker or some kind of tweener. But yeah, I think he also has the the athletic traits to be kind of that maybe weak inside linebacker 
at the NFL level. Yeah, I, I admittedly haven't watched uh, a ton of him, and I didn't get to him in my in my preseason evaluations. But maybe trying to go that route is what this this Giants defense needs. And the thing with Wink Martindale, we know that he's creative. Like he's he's somebody who's always going to lean for athleticism. Uh, you know, guys that can cover well. So maybe if that's somebody to consider in this group. But there's a lot of really just fun linebackers in general. A lot of great athletes in this class that the Giants can fix and, and seriously upgrade their unit. Yeah. So I, if we're not going to talk about the quarterback question, which <laughs> I think this is actually a very deep quarterback class, you know, you got the guys at the top, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Hendon Hooker, Will Levis. Like I think they're pretty well locked in as the top four, but then there's also other guys in this draft class. You know, you've, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, I think he's kind of fallen off, but yeah. still have Anthony Richardson at Florida. You've got uh, Phil Jerkovic at Boston College, Sam Hartman at Wake Forest, who we've already talked about. Um, oh, and his name escapes me at the moment at the, the quarterback at NC State. Uh, uh, Devin Leary, who also suffered an injury. So that's that's probably going to impact his his projection as well. Yes, but. Yeah, th- thanks for the reminder. But the the having these guys who are they've got talent. Like Leary's got talent. I I liked what I've seen from him. Anthony Richardson is raw as hell, but he's got the physical traits that I like. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him go in the first round just based on his physical traits. Like after he tests, like he's gonna throw the ball a mile. He's gonna run fast. He's gonna be big and impressive. Like just there, you know, getting measured in his underwear. But <laughs> like as a quarterback, he needs some seasoning. I will say. So right, I I really like Richardson, and he's so exciting to watch. And I I think realistically, he's going to go back. Like as much as he might get a good grade from the advisory board, it's probably in his best interest to try and compete with next year's group, which is going to be. Caleb Williams it's going to be Quinn Ewers and then it's going to be him if he decides to go back I just think that there's going to be some more refined prospects that might get a little bit more of a bump than he is but he's he's so freaking raw like if you can tap into that that's Josh Allen that's Cam Newton the guy has all of the tools in the arsenal it's just a matter of which Anthony Richardson shows up because the one that we saw against Utah and the one that we saw against Tennessee is not the same one that we saw against Kentucky or all the way throughout Georgia, he's just so freaking inconsistent. And I think if he strings together a really consistent season next season, he will be drafted very, very high. Yes, I definitely agree with that. And then there's also DJ Uyunglele at Clemson, which, you know, he has had a career rebirth. Like, like I don't know that I've ever seen a college quarterback come into a season with as much hype as he did last year have as bad a season as he did last year compared to expectations. And, you know, just kind of absolutely. And then nobody was expecting anything from him this year. And all of a sudden he's coming out and playing really well. Yeah. I, unexpected that he's playing better because they're running the same prehistoric offense that they're in just <laughs> weird offensive approach. He's doing better. I think because of the way that he's being utilized and, they're kind of awkwardly implementing him and working him into the run game, but asking him to play as a runner, I think has helped him this season. 
I was high on him coming into the year and hoping that maybe it would be a rebirth for him. And I think it's been a rebirth in the wrong way because I still see all the same issues in his quarterback play that weren't resolved coming into this season, which is forcing the ball into tight windows that when then there's not much room for a, a, you know, a completion, making questionable decisions just in general with his throws and holding the ball too long, taking, you know, taking sacks in stupid situations. A lot of those issues need to be corrected. And I just think realistically a guy like him, it might benefit him to transfer and, and try to play somewhere else. Yeah, that that would be very interesting next for next year to see if you know maybe he transfers to a, another school that is yeah. going to be losing one of these top quarterbacks. Yeah, may, maybe not in Alabama, but you know also maybe who knows maybe Alabama <laughs> or Georgia if you know when Stetson Bennett finally moves on, you know walks on someplace else and. <laughs> becomes a starter there but it would be interesting to see if maybe anthony richardson and uyunglele wind up being like the number one and two quarterbacks in like next year's draft yeah and he's got the potential we've we've always the thing that we've always known with him is that he's got all the traits it's just sadly i think we've seen enough of him in his mental capability and his ability to make decisions he's had enough chances to prove that he's worked on that and I just don't see any improvement. It's It's been stagnation, and it sucks. He decided to go somewhere that apparently doesn't know how to develop quarterbacks. I think that we were, and he probably was too, seeing Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence have such good careers, but they almost, like, they didn't need, they didn't benefit from the situation. They had a lot, but they had really good receivers and all that stuff. It just, they didn't need the coaching. But DJ did, and he didn't get it. And that's what's led to his his stagnation as a prospect. Yeah, Watson and Lawrence are kind of they kind of graduated the same quarterbacks they were when they came out of high school. They were yeah. they were almost NFL ready quarterbacks when they came out of high school. Now, granted, Trevor Lawrence hasn't had the NFL career, but I really think that under Doug Peterson, he is going to blossom over the next year and a half or so. Yeah, cuz he's again, he's now we saw the the issues that he had last year where he felt like he wasn't up to par with what he needed to be to play in the NFL at the NFL level. And it really does call into question again, the quarterback development at Clemson, but now Peterson, he's in a situation where he can actually develop. And I, maybe that's what, I, that's why I think that maybe with DJU, it's better for him to transfer, go somewhere that has like a really good quarterback situation, a really good quarterback coach, a friendly offensive coordinator. Maybe that's Oregon when Bo Nix is done. I and mean, we've seen the way that, that Bo Nix is transcended. He needs somebody that's going to help work with him if he wants to take that next step, but I don't think he should join this class. Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels like Bo Nix has been in college football for half of forever now. Yeah. Yeah. There, and there's a lot of guys that have been in the, in been around for so long. There was a guy that I want to say it was Miami of Ohio. That's been around for eight years. That was like brought up yesterday on social media. Uh, but the COVID <laughs> eligibility thing has, has made so many bizarre circumstances like, Spencer, Spencer Rattler being around as long as he has. Um, but no, there a lot of guys that definitely need to move on. We've gotten to that point. Yeah. And got special Spencer Rattler is a big disappointment for me. I, I was very high on him uh, you know, a year ago, year and a half ago, two years ago. And that he didn't take a next step. And then he just kind of fades. It's gotten worse. <laughs> yes. And, and it's very, very weird. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've never been a fan of his, personality like he's 
he's kind of been a bit of a uh, of an ass and you kind of see that he doesn't he just doesn't seem like somebody who who brings his team up and we've seen a lot of that this year where they're winning despite him instead of because of him yeah so speaking of winning we should probably get to the games for this weekend yeah yeah like we could talk prospects for forever because <laughs> right you know, 300 some guys are going to get drafted well exactly 250 but whatever <laughs> So other than let's just say the two big games, which is Tennessee at Georgia, which is three 30 afternoon game on CBS and Alabama at LSU uh, primetime game, 7 PM on ESPN. What are you looking for? Who are you looking to see? So for what I, I completely blank for a second. It was it the Alabama game that you read first or the, the, the Tennessee game. It was uh, the Tennessee, Tennessee game. game. Sorry. Yeah. I total, total brain fart at the end of the day here. Uh, the Tennessee <laughs> game for me, Tennessee's yet to face a team like Georgia that can slow them down and slow the game down. They are so deep front to back in their secondary along their defensive line that if they get a couple turnovers, a couple key sacks, they grind the game out. They slow down the time of possession and they're effective on offense the way that they've always been, which is getting the ball to Brock Bowers really quickly, getting a, you know, effective running game going. I think that Georgia is going to win this game because they're at home. That's enough for them to win. I don't think that they're going to cover by the eight points that's been put out there, but they have the roster to stop that high-powered offense, and I really do see Georgia winning this football game. Yeah, I could definitely see Jalen Carter just taking this game over. Yeah. That dude is not real. <laughs> like, yeah, and he, he's been so freaking good, and he's he's going to be a big reason why if they win. Yeah, last year, as good as that Georgia defensive front was with all of those guys, all of those guys, they lost to the NFL. Jalen Carter was still the best of them. And the, the Georgia team is still stacked. Yeah. I, I definitely want to see how Hendon Hooker plays against this Georgia defense. I want to see how Cedric Tillman plays against this Georgia secondary, but I'm expecting Georgia to win. It would be kind of a stunner if Tennessee manages manages to stay hot. Yeah, and it, it's hard to maintain that success. And if Tennessee wins, like I don't see anyone that's stopping them. You know, it's it's like if you win that game, you're on the ascension level to win a national championship, win the SEC. That's going to yeah. be that 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 you know that it's ascension for them. But it's going to be a hard game. It's going to be a really hard fought battle. And I just based on the way that Georgia's built and the experience that they have with those young players might be a little too much for Tennessee. Yeah. If Tennessee wins, they're on that LSU path with yeah. Joe Burrow and Jamar chase and all those guys. Absolutely. Yeah, the Alabama team, I think it's going to, or the Alabama game, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it'll be a fun game, but I kind of feel sorry for any team that has to play Alabama after that Tennessee loss. <laughs> Right, and have to play them when Bryce Young is slowly getting healthier and healthier, and as Jameer Gibbs is just cooking defenses right now. My issue with LSU, and I, I think that they're a strong team this year, but they have notoriously been really slow to get going, especially Brian Kelly in general as a coach. His offenses have always been like a quarter too late to get going, and they're never a score immediately type of a team. It usually takes them a couple drives to get into rhythm, and then they start popping. Alabama's not the team you want to do that against. You, you can't show up and do that against Alabama. Otherwise, if you go down by two scores, you're going to be chasing them the entirety of the game. And they've got the players, the running backs, the roster to grind out a game. Yeah, definitely. I, 
I think Tennessee was built right to catch them just as, you know, just with the injured Bryce Young and Alabama's also been just a little bit undisciplined, you know, undisciplined for a Nick Saban team. We'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And it, I, I just, I feel like there's, there's, there's been issues on their secondary and I just, th- those, the thing is with, with Alabama that I fear the most because Nick Saban and his coaching staff are so the scariest in the country. I fear the most is if they make mistakes early on in the season, it, it to me means that they're going to correct it. And that once they figure it out that early, it means that they're just going to get progressively better and better And Alabama's. I think in some of their worst seasons, it's when they've had mistakes prop up at the very end of the, at, at the end of the year. And they've been exposed for random things at the very end of the year. But for them to find out that they can't, they can't leave fast, speedy guys open one-on-one over the top and not have safety help the way that they did against Tennessee and that they can't set up certain uh, some of their corners up to, for failure the way that they did, and you're talking about the lack of discipline. If they fix that stuff, they're going to correct it. They're going to be really, really dangerous down this stretch. Yeah, <clears throat> pardon me. And that's the thing with Nick Saban. He is such a good coach. He always – always learns from from his mistakes they whenever Alabama makes a mistake whenever they have a weakness they go right into the lab and they correct it it is incredibly tough to beat them twice or to beat them after they've been beaten once so yeah I think LSU will put up a good fight but if they're if this game is close I don't expect it to be, clo- you know, real close. But if this game is close at the end, that's when I kind of expect like Nick Saban's coaching to take over and Bryce Young's clutch gene to take over. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and absolutely, and we're probably going to witness more of the greatness that is Nick Saban in this game. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, what about the other games on this slate? You know, what what game are you? What game or games are you really looking forward to? Well, as a as a Notre Dame fan, I'm going to be watching the Notre Dame Clemson game. Uh, I don't have a lot of faith for Notre Dame in this game, and I think Clemson's going to probably boat race him. But outside of that, my attention turns to TCU, uh, Texas, because TCU has not been properly respected in the college football playoff rankings. And here's another chance to add another ranked notch in your resume. To add that, I think is going to really help their case. Uh, they've been so good this year, but have had some defensive issues and Quinn might expose them. Uh, But that one game, I'm probably going to be really, really locked in on. Yeah. And Texas definitely has some prospects of their own that Giants fans can keep an eye on. I, I I don't, I kind of hope the Giants don't draft Bijan Robinson because if they are, they're going to have to draft him highly. And I I don't think they need to spend another high draft pick on a running back, (laughs) but he is very fun to watch. Yeah. Yes. Like Texas is building a hell of a program when Arch Manning is ready to take his first snap as a Texas Longhorn. Like he's going to have one hell of a team around him. <laughs> no, totally. And and that, that team is progressively getting better and better, but they're probably a team that's, that's going to be a year away from them actually having legitimate success. Yeah. W- once they get all of their, the guys they want in place and they do get Arch Manning, which you know, maybe that's the plan for the Giants. Just kind of tread water until Arch Manning <laughs> until Arch is ready is to come out. Yeah, just get, yeah, I'm get not, the I got no problem with that. I got no problem with that. <laughs> yeah, Tyrod Taylor, let's let's roll. 
Exactly. <laughs> so for me, I'm actually going to go with a little bit of a sleeper, which if you've got the Big Ten Network, the noon game, Maryland at Wisconsin. Yeah, that game I think could be very, very interesting. Like that could be, you know, under the radar a good game because Maryland has a lot more prospects. They've got more NFL players than I think they're really getting credit for right now. Yeah, the they have you know a lot of unrecognized talent on that roster um, that isn't getting a, a, as much attention as they probably could be getting. Jalen Duncan, who's their left tackle, has been brought up in the first round discussion, and I really liked him in the preseason. Uh, but yeah, no, this game could be fun because both these teams have been putting up points recently. Um, it just depends how Talia Tagovailoa plays in this one. But yeah, there's not really a lot of early slate games, and so if you want to flip to this one while we're getting ready for the the big games that happen later in the day, it's it's a nice it's a nice uh, time filler. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh- the Giants probably don't need an offensive tackle unless something, you know, <laughs> very terrible happens. But also, you know, Rakeem Jarrett, wide receiver, you know, he could be an interesting mid-round target for a team in need of a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah and Jarrett's fantastic and explosive piece of that offense. So another mid-tier, mid-round name to consider for, for the Giants with this receiver class. Yeah, so, like, there are a bunch of games to watch and lots of lots of uh, prospects to watch on this college football Saturday especially since you don't have to worry about you know plopping down on Sunday to to watch the Giants (laughs) you can actually look think you know about the future for a little bit today it's okay you know Giants fans are kind of used to thinking about the future in early November but right now they also have to think about the present Right, they can actually we can actually enjoy the games for once and and not think about like hey, who's this next top prospect? It's it's a little bit less stressful, which I'm very thankful for. Um but hell, just separate from that, it's a great slate of games. It's a great slate of games for this this weekend of college football. Yes, definitely. And I have to say it was great to have you back on again. We'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, during the the draft cycle, I I'd love to come back on or maybe again during the college football season, but Always fun to reconnect, and heck, anyone who asks me to come on to talk college football, I'm down. Good to know. I, I'm, I, I definitely wouldn't abuse that at all. <laughs> hey, you're always welcome to Chris, and I just appreciate you bringing me back on. It really means a lot. All right, great. And everyone, enjoy your games today or tomorrow, depending on when this podcast drops. I don't know that as we record it. <laughs> so, have a good day, everybody. Plot 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, 
wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.